Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Man, don't shout me down all at once, okay? Uh, good evening. You're like, that, that must mean that you're still in a food coma from eating leftovers from Thanksgiving. That's all that I can guess. That is all that I can guess on that. I got to tell you, I had planned to open up one way. I had a funny story for you, but during worship, uh, the Lord just really stirred my heart. Uh, to do something else. I just want to take care of some business really quick. I believe that there are some folks here that are going through some heavy, heavy things right now. And, and maybe hope has been hard for you. It's being difficult right now. Maybe it was a diagnosis from a doctor. Maybe it was some papers that came in the mail. Maybe it was a pink slip in your, in your mailbox at work. And I want to go to the Lord with those things. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's going to take a step of faith, by the way. If you're new here, normally we don't do this on the front side. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) I'm going to run with it anyway. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. It's cool. I'm standing up enough for all of us. But if you have something in your life, if there's a burden that you're carrying... And you've been having a hard time letting go of it, whether it's a diagnosis, you know what I'm talking about, then here's what I want you to do. I just want you to symbolically in faith, take that thing and hold your hands up like you're holding that thing up to God. That's what I want you to do. Just step out in faith. There you go. Hallelujah. I knew it. I knew it. Father, your word says in the book of Hebrews that we come boldly before your throne. We come boldly before your throne because we are your children. And we come to you in our time of need when we need mercy and when we need grace. So, Father, I pray that as your people lift up their hands, offering whatever it is that they're carrying to you right now, that right now, supernaturally, they are letting go of it and you're taking it, Father. That Jesus paid the full price for whatever it is. If it's a disease in their body, by the stripes that Jesus bore, they're healed in Jesus' name. They're letting go of that sickness, letting go of that disease, that bad report from a doctor, and they are giving it to you because you paid the full price so that you could take it. So they're letting that thing go in Jesus' name. I thank you that as they walk out of here, they walk out whole and they walk out healed. Father, for those that are having family problems, maybe divorces on the table, maybe the the D word's been thrown around in their home. You're a God of restoration. It's who you are. And Father, we pray for those papers to be torn up because hope has a name and that name is Jesus. So tonight, Father, Their hope is filled up because they trust in the name of Jesus. We thank you that we're going to see restoration in marriages, Father. We thank you that we're going to see it. Father, for some, it's children. They've got kids that have wandered from you, Father. They trained them up in the way they should go. They did their job. And Father, your word says that when we train up our children in the way they should go, that when they're grown, they will not depart. So we call them back in in Jesus' name. We call those kids back in that they remember 
who you are, Father, that they hear your voice and that they turn and they run back to you just like the prodigal did. And that these parents for this Christmas season will be able to remember that gift that their child didn't depart, Father. If it's addictions, the addictions are broken, Father. At the name of Jesus, every chain breaks. Whether it's addiction to alcohol, to things that they shouldn't be looking at on the internet, whatever it is, Father, maybe it's social media, I don't know. But whatever that addiction is, is they're holding it up to you that in the name of Jesus, it's broken. They don't deal with it anymore because you already dealt with it at the cross. Father, we thank you for that. And then, Lord, as we get into your word tonight, I pray for your anointing to deliver your word. These good people don't need a pep talk from Rob Bellamy. They need a word from the Most High God. They came into this house to worship you, to give you honor, to give you praise, and to eat a spiritual meal. So, Father, I pray for your anointing as I preach your word. And I pray for your anointing for their hearts to receive your word. Daddy, we ask and we thank you for these things in the mighty, the holy, and the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Y'all are dismissed. (laughs) We said church. (laughs) All right. Abby told me I had to sit still for a little bit so they could track me on camera. If you've never seen me preach before, it's been like since August since I preached. Man, I cannot sit still. I have to move. If I stop moving, I can't talk. I don't know what it is. Just ask my wife. It's the truth. (laughs) She's like, man, sit still. I'm trying to have a conversation with you. Where are you going? But hey, well, Pastor Don came to me about a month and a half ago and he said, hey, I want you in the last November, the last Wednesday of November and the first Wednesday of December to do a mini series, a little two parter. And he gave me the topic. And at first I got to tell you, I was like, "Man, what did I do to make Pastor Don mad at me? (laughs) Jimmy Christmas. Because there's two topics that you can talk about in church, and between those two topics, you will always get some interesting email. Uh, after today's message, if you want to email me, it's Pastor David Miller at Tree of Life Church. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And those two subjects are the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Don tackled that one. The other one is our finances. It's money. I said that and three dudes reached for their wallet. I swear they did. I'm not going to call you out though. It's one of those things. We get nodded up about it. I think that's why there's about 2,300 verses in the Bible about finances. God knew that there was a connection between finances and our heart. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight is finances. I want you to set aside any preconceived notions that you might have, any arguments that you were prepared to bring to prove your point. I just want you to set it aside and hear me out, okay? I will tell you this. I'm not talking about salvation, okay? We're going to talk about finances, not to earn your righteousness or buy a golden ticket into heaven because that cannot be done. Only Jesus could buy that ticket And he did. This is strictly about biblical principles, spiritual principles that we can put into act in our life to walk in a fuller blessing, a fuller life out of obedience to God. 
So tonight, what I titled tonight's message is First Things First. First Things First. And we're going to start out in the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. I, th- I can show you everything in the Old Testament that you can show me in the New Testament. Grace, love, mercy, healing, you name it. It's all there. I can show it to you. Exodus 13 is where we're going to dive in. I got to set the stage for you a little bit. The Israelites have been in captivity in, in Egypt for roughly 400 years. That's a long time. It's almost as long as I've been walking the earth. And they had forgotten what it was to be the people of the Most High God. They were slaves. They had, they had no possessions. They had nothing. Their life existed for one thing and one thing only. To labor for the Egyptians. That was it. They were property. And so they had forgotten all this concept of being God's chosen people. Of being the heirs of the seed of Abraham. All this stuff. They had forgotten all of it because 400 years had passed. So in Exodus... We pick the account up, and this is right as they're getting set free. They're coming out of captivity, and God is trying to set some things in place for them to, number one, get Egypt out of their heart. Egypt is a type of the world, by the way. When you look in the Old Testament and you see Egypt, it's a type, a shadow, a model of the world, what we would call the world out here. And so that's what they're seeing. They're coming out of Egypt, and God's going, hey, look, I don't ever want you in slavery again. I don't ever want you in bondage again. So I'm going to give you some guidelines to follow, some spiritual principles to follow so that you always remember that you're mine and that I've got you. So in Exodus 13, uh, 1 and 2, and then verses 12 and 13, the Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Then verse 12 says, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. He reiterates it again. And all the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. Just so you know, lambs are representative of clean in the Old Testament. What you can read is a list of clean animals and a list of unclean animals. Lambs were clean. Donkeys were unclean. We're going to see something really cool there in just a second. But if you do not redeem it, so if you don't redeem this donkey, this unclean animal, you got to break its neck. I know that sounds harsh. It's a type. It's a shadow. It's a model of what was to come. Okay. And then just because he knew some of us would want to wring our firstborn son's necks, he said, redeem every firstborn among your sons. So he didn't even give you an option on that one. He was like, you got to redeem them. So our first point is, is that God is first. God is first. I want to explain that just a little bit. Verse 2 says, consecrate to me every firstborn male. That word consecrate simply means to set aside. Consecrate means to set aside. And we set it aside for God. Because God is first. A lot of times we say we need to make God first. That is impossible to do. God is already first. God is already first. He doesn't need us to place him first because he's arrogant and needy, but rather he's explaining to us that he's first for our benefit. Um, You want to see it in Colossians 1, 15 through 18. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. 
For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. He's also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the, from the dead. Now check this out. So he is first in everything. Now whether you choose, whether I choose, whether we choose to live our lives recognizing God as first, taking our lives and wrapping them around this biblical spiritual principle that God is first, doesn't phase God one way or the other. We place him, if we decide to live our lives that way and acknowledge that he's first and then place him first and make all of our decisions around that, then things just come into order. God is a God of order, first things first. Look in Genesis, when he created the heavens and the earth, he created dry land, then he created the plants, then he created animals and people. He couldn't create the plants without creating the dry land first, and he couldn't create the animals and the humans without creating the plants first, because the animals wouldn't have had anything to eat, and they would have eaten the people. There's an order. God is a God of order. First has to be first. Because if first is out of order, then everything's out of order. And so that's where we have to start. If first is out of order, then every single thing is out of order. And that's why God says, hey, I'm first. Recognize me as first, because your lives are out of order. I want him to be in order for you, because he's a good father. And that's in everything. But tonight we're talking about finances. So many times I talk with people, they don't, re they don't, they don't place God first in their finances until so their finances are out of order. They say things like, I can't make my car payment. I can't make my house payment. I don't have enough money to buy groceries. What am I gonna do? My finances are a wreck. And I can look at them and go, let me ask you something. Let me just get totally harebrained off the wall. Is God first in your finances? Well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, it's real simple. When was the last time that you showed God honor by trusting him with your finances and giving to him before you made your mortgage payment? Because we're trying to get things in order. Now, don't look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> so let's jump back into Exodus really quick. Wanted to establish the fact that this principle of the first, that God is first. We go down to 12 and it says, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you don't redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. There's a whole lot of first in there. Did you see it? Whole lot of talk about this first. But here's what those two verses say, that the first is either sacrificed or it's redeemed. The first is either sacrificed or it's redeemed. And, and I'm, that is in every area of our life, whether it be our time, our finances, but again tonight, we know what we're talking about here. The first is either sacrificed or redeemed. It says, 
if you want to redeem the donkey, then you got to give a lamb. If you don't, then the donkey's sacrificed. So here's the principle. You either redeem it or it's gone anyway. It's got to be redeemed. It's got to be redeemed. And if you think about that, God even lived by this principle. We're unclean. Yes, we were unclean before we were saved. He gave his first to redeem us. Even God operates on this spiritual principle of the first. He took the first to redeem me, to redeem you. It's a spiritual principle. And so here's what we see in that. Consecrating the first redeems the rest. Setting apart the first redeems the rest. When we set it apart for the Lord, then the rest is redeemed because that's the order that it comes in. Just like God did for us with Jesus. He set apart his first son to redeem the rest. He set apart his one and only son before we were ever his sons and daughters. So the first redeems the rest when we consecrate it. Now let's go to Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 to see, our, to see this next point. Appreciate what Proverbs is. A lot of folks will make the argument when you're talking about finances, well, you're talking about under the law and we're under grace and all of this. Look, again, kick that to the curb. That's not even what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about a supernatural spiritual principle. But we're going to Proverbs. Proverbs is called the book of wisdom. It's words of wisdom to live by. It's not the law. These are just wise words that if we'll apply them to our lives, we'll see benefit in our lives. So giving the first gives honor to God. Giving the first gives honor to God. That word honor, by the way, just means to place high value on. So Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. You'll have some folks that will say, well, yeah, but back then, you know, they gave crops, they gave this, they gave that. They didn't really give of their finances. Honor the Lord with your wealth. I'm going to say that that's talking about all of our wealth. It's kind of what it looks like to me. And this isn't a legalistic principle. This is just a wise saying. And then he says, and with the first fruits of all your crops. So it covers both bases. These folks didn't just run to H-E-B and write a check for eggs and milk and bread. They had to raise what they were going to eat. They relied on the crops. And they brought their first crops is what it says. And look at what it says happens when you do that. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. When we honor God in that way, when we show him that we highly value him and we set that apart because it's a principle of being in order, then our barns will be filled to overflowing and then our vats will brim over. But you can't get it out of order. This stuff won't overflow and it won't be abundant if God's not first. It's just a principle, it's in his word. Consider that when we recognize God as first, then the rest comes into order. You're gonna hear something like that 
all through tonight because I want you to see it in his word for your life. Uh, this isn't in your notes. Second Chronicles 29, 30, and 31. Uh, the nation of Israel is a wreck. They've had all these evil kings that weren't serving the Lord. They had completely forgotten about the Lord. They set up all these altars, all these idols, and they had just forgotten. It actually records that all these kings were evil in the sight of the Lord is what it says. And these are God's people. But then King Hezekiah comes in and it says that King Hezekiah had a heart after the Lord. He was a godly king. And he comes in and he tears down all the altars, all the idols. He begins to restore the temple. And in chapters 29, 30, and 31, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 99% positive it's 29, 30, and 31. He realizes it's been years and years and years since the nation of Israel, since the people had given their first fruits offerings, since they had brought in and honored the Lord with their first, they had forgotten who they were and who their God was. And so King Hezekiah says, oh my goodness, man, we got to get the word out. He tells the priests, spread the word, get it out there. And so they go and they do. And a couple days later, King Hezekiah comes out and he kind of freaks out. He walks out and it says that he sees heaps. Read it for yourself. Second Chronicles 29, 30, and 31. He sees these heaps, these mounds, these piles. And he goes, oh my goodness. I wonder if the people are okay. Have they brought, did they bring everything? And the priest goes, no, 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 no. All they did was bring in the tithe. That's what it says. A tenth. All they did was bring in a tenth of the land. He said, you think these heaps are something? These heaps are just 10% of the heaps that are at their houses. You ought to see what they've got, king, because everything got put back in order. And so then the blessing was there because it was back in order. So why the first? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. If you didn't ask it, I'm going to answer it anyway. I'm going to answer it with three points. The first point is because it's about stewardship. It's about stewardship. Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18 says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you back all the way up to verse 11, they're talking about bringing in the first. He says, look, I've delivered you out of Egypt. I've taken you out of the world. You're set apart now. You're my kids, but here's what I want you to do. Keep your focus on me by bringing the first. If you forget to bring the first, then you're going to step into the, the promised land and you're going to forget and think that you actually did it yourself. Now there's only one reason that that would matter to God. God does not need our money. God knew that if the people got back in that place, they would end up right back in slavery. They would end up back in bondage, back in fear, back defeated. And so he said, you can never allow your mind to get back to that place. So bring the first, otherwise you'll forget. It's right there in Deuteronomy 8. You can go back and read it, starting in verse 11. This was all about remembering that God delivered. You want to see it in the New Testament? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. It says he gives the seed, 
He gives the bread. He supplies it all. He gives it all. It all came from him, and he gave you the ability to make it. And this says that when you honor him with it, he will continue to make sure that things stay in order for you, and you will always have plenty, and you will always have enough. The flip of it is, if you don't, you will never have plenty. You will never have enough. It's a spiritual principle. Let's look at Exodus 23, 19 to see this principle of stewardship a little bit more. It says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Man, I've read that a million times, but the other day I read it. It says, bring the first, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Notice that it says, bring the first versus give the first. It says, bring it, not give it. Because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. If I'm at home and Pastor Dave knows that I need to mow my yard and he gives me his lawnmower to mow my yard and I mow my yard, I don't give Pastor David a mower. It was his mower to begin with. I bring it back to him. It was already his. I was just allowed to steward it for a little while. Does that make sense? Oh, sorry, my wife says I shouldn't say, does that make sense? So just food for thought, bringing the first is simply returning a portion of what God already gave. That's really all it is. And number two, the first is about faith. The first is about faith. Hebrews 11, two, most of us know it and can probably quote it. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. Faith is about trusting God. A synonym for faith is trust. Faith is about trusting God. And the first is about faith. If you go down to verse four in Hebrews 11, it's, so we just read the, the first couple verses, but in verse four, the very first example of faith in Hebrews 11 is Abel. And it says that Abel brought a better offering that was acceptable to the Lord. A better offering than who? Some of you will remember somebody shouted out. Cain. Cain, his kooky brother. For years I thought, and I'd even heard it taught, that what set apart Abel's offering from Cain's offering was that Abel brought the best lamb that he had and Cain brought some moldy corn or moldy wheat or whatever. Anybody else ever heard that taught? Just me. Okay, so I was only one in a bad theological church. Sorry. I saw something here for the first time about a month and a half ago that really changed my life. Let's, let's, let's go to Genesis 4 so we can see the account. We've got to pay close attention to the words on this. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Did you catch the first in that? It says that Cain, after some time, had passed. He didn't bring the first. Harvest came up. Instead of grabbing the first part of the harvest and running it to the Lord, let's put it in today's terms. Can I put it in today's terms? 
the first rolled around, paycheck hit the bank. Cain said, "Mm, yes. And then he waited about 14 days because he knew the 15th was coming. And on the 14th, then he went, oh, here you go. He brought God leftovers. He didn't bring him the first. Abel brought the first. And the first is about faith. You see, when you bring your first, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what day 14 holds. Faith is about what you can't see. When you give the first, you don't know if you're going to have a blowout on day 14. You don't know if you're going to need a $100 bill. You don't know. So if you're not operating in faith, you'll wait until the 14th and go, tire didn't blow. (laughs) I got 20 bucks left. Here's my leftovers. That's last week's lasagna. But Abel brought the first. He brought the very first lamb, not knowing if he would have another lamb coming behind it. That's what God did with Jesus. He gave the first before he had any of us. It's a principle. And Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because those who come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's why Cain's offering was unacceptable. He didn't bring it in faith. But Abel's was brought in faith. That should have got an amen from somebody, I'm just saying. Uh, Man. And then last, the first is about the heart. The first is about our hearts. God is always after our heart. It's always about our heart. This thing, we wrestle it inside of us. We wrestle it. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 through 8 says, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able. Notice it says, and God is able. It doesn't say, and God does. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Why does it say that he is able versus he does? because the principle of the first. If you line up your life with that and put it in proper order, then he will bless you abundantly. It's just the principle of the first. And notice what it says. It says, give what you've already decided in your heart to give. He's saying, look, settle this matter in here. Get this wrestling match over with and don't give reluctantly. Church, here's $10. I just can't, I'm not gonna have Taco Bell on the way home. And don't give under compulsion. There's a couple ways that could look. That could say, don't feel like the guy up here is twisting your arm into it. I think there's another way that we give under compulsion. How about when the offering's going by and we don't want the dude or the gal sitting next to us to see that we didn't put anything in. So it's just like, oh, fine, I'm gonna compulsively put, here you go, I put something in there. He says, look, settle it in your heart before you even arise in the house, arrive in the house of the Lord and do it cheerfully. Do it cheerfully, remembering who your God is and what he's done for you. He's accomplished a lot for you in redeeming you. And we can remember that when we operate out of this principle of the first, and then we can cheerfully give. And then we'll see these things abundantly happen in our lives. 
Remember that it's often said that we give to get. I've heard that before. Man, you need, you need a miracle from God. You need to give some more money. I'm going to say that I don't agree with that principle, but I do agree with give to get. I believe that we give to get selfishness out of our hearts. We give to get selfishness out of our hearts. If we're really going to crown God king and first in our lives, then self has to be removed from the throne of our hearts. And giving does that. Giving gets selfishness out of our hearts. So let me give you some next steps. Most guys like next steps. Number one, ask God to reveal any areas where you haven't placed him first. And I said any areas, because guess what? There's a lot of folks that are just fine, and in their finances, they have definitely fallen in the proper order of God being first. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's time. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we've made our spouse first. That sounds really out of whack when I say that. If I make my wife first, if she's the first and primary relationship in my life, my marriage will always be out of order. God has to be first. And then my marriage lines up. Maybe it's time. Maybe in the morning, you set that thing 30 minutes early and you meant to spend some time with the Lord, but for the past three months, you've just hit the snooze button. What if by setting God first, setting apart, consecrating 15 or 20 minutes to have coffee with the Lord in the morning will redeem the rest of your day? Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But if you ask, God will reveal. It's what he does. And then number two, repent or turn from that way of thinking. That's all that repent means. It means stop thinking that way, get back in line with God's word, and move that direction. So just repent and stop that way of thinking. And then last but not least, take God at his word by stepping out in faith. Whatever area that is, okay? If it's finances, just, just repent, turn from it. And I encourage you to take a step of faith tonight. Maybe you've never given. That's okay, it doesn't make you a bad person. Let me just give you some crazy statistics really, really quick, because I only have a couple seconds. The average church in America, only 20 to 30% of the people give. That's a real number. I know that because I checked all your giving records. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. I, I've, re I've read three books about it. That's a national average. I have no idea what you guys give and don't give. <laughs> that means that there's some folks that are solid on this. They get it. But there's some that aren't. It doesn't make you bad. It doesn't make you unsaved. It doesn't make you a second-class Christian. It just means that there's some areas of your life that are out of order now. And if you want order in it, then you gotta put him first. That's all that that means. Maybe it's in your time, maybe it's in your relationships, whatever it is, step out in faith. If it's in your time tomorrow morning, step out in faith. Don't hit the snooze button. Put the alarm in the bathroom if you have to. Put it in the living room if you have to. 
so that you get up and go, man, Lord, I'm stepping out in faith. I'm going to give you this 20 minutes. I'm going to have coffee with you. I'm just going to talk with you. I'm going to read my Bible just because I want to be in your presence because you're first. You're first. And I acknowledge that. Step out in faith and do it. And then I want to close on this. The very first thing that really matters for any of us is salvation. The very first decision that ever has to be made is salvation if our lives are going to line up around God being first. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.